Welcome back to another edition of For Her, an ongoing series from Shoe Palace and Nike, where we're illuminating female leaders in the Black and Latinx community who are actively making change in their world around them. I'm Natalia Perez, and this time we have the commissioner of LA's very own The Drew League, Chanel Smiley. Founded in 1973, the Drew League is L.A. basketball. From what began as a community game, it grew to become a showcase for local and pro talent and a fixture in the city. While the league is now a mainstay in basketball culture, for Chanel, it's family. Beyond the NBA stars who have graced the court like DeMar DeRozan, James Harden, and Kobe, the Drew has stood up for the community in South Central Los Angeles. Under her guidance, Chanel has continued to expand the Drew's reach and influence for generations to come. So here it is, the third installment of For Her with our very special guest, Chanel Smiley. And be sure to subscribe to For Her wherever you listen to your podcast to get every episode as we roll them out in the months ahead. How cute are these? Ones? I know. <laughs> I should put you. Oh, I think I sat here last time. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, here we go, guys. Episode three for her. For her is a podcast where we get together. This is for her by her, and we have an amazing guest today. You guys are gonna like be blown away by the work that is being done and her story. I can't wait to hear full on her story. But as you guys know. Chanel, the commissioner of the Drew League. We're going to learn all about your story, but also Deanna's here with us as well. So we're going to have a good time today, guys. Um, just for, you know, people listening at home, but also everyone here, in case they don't know, what is the Drew League? The Drew League is a pro-am league. We started in 1973, so long ago. It is local talent from the local Los Angeles area, overseas players, high school, college players, and NBA players all on one court. So it's very interesting mm -hmm. uh, because you never really see a platform like that, and it's only done in the summer, but, um, and it's just global at this point. Why did they want to start the Drew League? Why did they want to start the Drew League? I think because... In the South LA area, Watts area, there's not many opportunities. There's not many events going on. So this gives a platform for our fellas to come out, show their talent, the community to come out and see local stars that they probably can't afford to see at the you know, Staples Center. Mm -hmm. Now they can be right there one-on-one -on -one with these athletes. And how did you get involved with the Drew League? I want to hear yeah. this full story. So my dad... Uh, he was part of the Drew League when he was 15 years old. So back in the early, uh, I will say late 70s. And when I was a part of Drew League, you know, I was born and raised there. I was walking around with my diaper all, you know, all on the court <laughs> and stuff. So the summer was embedded in the gym. Like every summer, that's where I was at. And as I grew up, you know, that was just part of my life. That's part of our family's, you know, dynamic. So when I took over the Drew, it was right after college. I saw that my dad was uh, having a difficult time, like continuing the league. So I was like, you know what, do you need help? He was like, yeah, you know, 
like just being by my side. So I was pretty much like his assistant for a while. And then I was like, you know what, let me put a, put aside what I want to do as far as a career. Mm -hmm. And I really was just like helping him out every summer, so. That must have been really a great experience with you and your dad, like working side by side. Not everyone gets to work with their parent mm -hmm. and learn from them. What are some of uh, like the lessons that you learned while you were working with him? Patience, um, to be calm, to really just watch your words, um, to, to really manage, you know, what it is that you want to do and really overall patience. Um, he guided me in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. So with him, his calm demeanor, you know, really, I, I was exposed to that. And I was like, you know what, this is what I need to do because I don't want to just pop off, you know? So, you know, like, I, I don't have that type of temper or anything like that. But, you know, you you're, some, as a woman, especially, you get tested by men who dominate this sport. So there's a lot of barriers that you have to mm -hmm. come by, you know? That's, so. a, that's a, actually a really great point, and I'd love to hear more about that from you because uh, it triggered something for me is that I work in a very male-dominated field as well. I think you yeah. do, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I actually cover the men's business for Shoe Palace, mm -hmm. so a lot of times it can be a little bit of a challenge. Can you speak more to how you deal with that on a daily basis, especially now being the commissioner for, I think you mentioned, four For four years. years for the last four years. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's going to be challenges in everything you do. And I feel like, for me, the best thing that I do for myself, like, I pray. And then I, um, I, just, I just know that there's always going to be light at the end of the tunnel. So let me just be patient and be calm. And I know that everything will be flowed out just, you know, perfectly. Uh, one thing about the male dominant industry and not having too many women involved. It's just, you know, it's a lot of hurdles. And I feel like um, there's more women now that are taking charge and seeing that in the, in the sports industry and in businesses, entrepreneurship, you know, it gives you that confidence that you can go ahead and do it. Um, and yeah, what, be the best you can. What's one of those hurdles that you can, you can tell these girls about so they can be aware of what you've had to go through as well? Um, I think one of those hurdles would be, there's a few, especially this year. This COVID year has been very challenging for all of us. This is new to all of us, right? We never had to experience this. But I would say um, is, hmm, I would say probably those taking you serious. Mm -hmm. Like as a woman, sometimes, they don't take you as serious. They think, oh, you know, you, you're only supposed to be in this corner and you can't do what others do, especially men. And you have to pretty much put yourself forward and you have to be a little bit louder, um, not saying in an aggressive way, but you have to come and be more um, aggressive in that way to make sure that your words are being, um, you know, shared upon. And heard. Yeah, you got to be heard, you know, so... Um, that's what I would say. What does it actually mean to be the commissioner? Well, the commissioner role is to pretty much do everything. I mean, <laughs> I oversee I oversee probably about 40 staff members. Um, I am operating as far as the scheduling. I'm operating the logistics behind the scenes, you know, the venue, the 
making sure the jerseys, the players, the coaches, everybody's on time. Um, so the media, I, I, I'm just overall um, in charge of all the operations in the league. I know that it's, you said like, it's that summer league, but yeah. how much of your other part of your year is spent on the Drew League? I would say, I would say probably 70% of the year because it doesn't just take a day or two, a week or so, a month or even mm -hmm. to just start up a league at this magnitude. We start as early as February for a league to take place in June. Mm -hmm. But during that time, before then, we're, we're getting the guys together, we're, the coaches are calling, players are calling, you know, so we're already putting things in place. Mm -hmm. So it's all about management. <laughs> It, for someone who's never been to a Drew League game, yeah. explain it. What, what goes on? Oh What's goodness. the feeling, the energy? It, the energy at the league is so powerful. I mean, you have to be there to be, you know, to see it mm. and to really feel the energy. Um, when you go to the game, I mean, you, you have so many people that are just around the court. So it's not like your TV, the, the game you see on TV, right? It's not like that. To me, those are kind of boring. That's just my <laughs> opinion. But when you come to the Drew League, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a bunch of fans swarming the court. Um, you got George on the mic. He's like, you got the music bumping. Like, you got the snack bar. You're smelling grilled onions. You're smelling hot dogs. Like, you got the icy man in the bag. You got the fruit lady. <laughs> like you got the druid. Like so, and then you just see a whole bunch of people that look like you, and you see a bunch of people who are in your own community that you can relate to, who are uh, behind the scenes working the clock, working the um, working at the at the tables, you know, doing the mops. Like it's you have everybody in your community right there, you know, watching the game. So. It's, it's a lot of trash talk, you know? <laughs> so it's fun. And it's a family environment. You see kids running around, you know? So you see old, older people, younger people, and in between. So you see a little bit of everything. How has it evolved most, would you say, over the past few years? Obviously, we're all in a bit of an evolution. To your point, you touched on it a bit earlier around mm -hmm. the pandemic and COVID, and we're still kind of in that process. Yeah. Um, what have you said for the league you've seen the most kind of in, in adapting to this new way? And then yeah. even for yourself as, as the commissioner, how have mm -hmm. you kind of seen your evolution during yeah. this time? I mean, the evolution I want to say started right when Kobe came and played at Washington Park. So he came to the neighborhood right there on, on Firestone and May Avenue, if those are familiar with Watts. He came there and he put on a show for the community. And since then, that was the lockout year, right? Mm -hmm. So the lockout year is when all the players um, from the NBA, there's no season. They're trying to make a deal, right? So where do they go and play? They have to figure out where they want to play, where they want to keep advancing their game. So they come to summer leagues. So you have summer leagues in LA, New York, Chicago, whatever. So they all came to, the, most of them, the big names came to the Drew. And since then, it just it just went up, you know, so, um, but over the past two years of COVID has been very challenging just because trying to find a venue, trying to figure out how we can secure um, fans for, com you know, coming to the games without having the mask on or having to go through the COVID screen. And then will people come, you know, because of COVID. So going through so many different barriers has been very challenging. But this year we were able to pull it off in a matter of like, 
40 days when it normally takes about six months. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's such... It's so rooted in community and to not have that. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously we've, we've all gone through the pandemic. There's something that's like, we realize, wow, I didn't realize how much this is a part of me, how much yeah. I need it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think probably for you and everyone in that community, they're like, this is, we need this. We want this. Yes. Um, what is, what do, or some of the stories that you do hear from around the community involving the Drew League? Uh, during the pandemic time. Yeah, it was it was very challenging to hear. Some of the the familiar faces that we see, you know, not to see them in a couple of years was heartbreaking. And, you know, unfortunately, um, some people um, had to go back overseas. And, um, and then it was one of those things where I would say it was very challenging for some of the fans because they just really miss that atmosphere. They miss us, you know, we miss them. So when, when we saw them, it was just like a reunion. Mm -hmm. um, but it, as far as like the, you know, we want to give that platform for the players to expand their game. Mm -hmm. And to not have that during that time, you know, the guys were just kind of sitting at home trying to figure out where they're going to work out, you know, trying to sneak in gyms. You know, everybody yeah. was trying to figure it out, right? So... Um, you never, you hear that term like basketball never stops, but it literally stopped. Mm -hmm. And when it, we were able to pick it back up, it was, it was just one of those like breath of fresh air. It's like, this is what we needed and we don't want to never take offense. Yeah. You know, take, take it for granted. Take it for granted. For yeah. Sure. Also, I think it's a lesson in never giving up as well. I'm not saying like, oh, well, the pandemic took this from us. I guess, yeah. you know, you were trying to find a way. What's been another moment um, with the Drew League where, a lesson has taught you to not give up? Um, I will say this year. <laughs> really? This year has been some of the most challenging things I've ever had to endure. Um, I mean, the time, like just this past week, um, it was out of our control. You know, the venue that we're at is like, hey, we got something going on with the students, so you guys can't be here today. And we're like, I, also, I got 24 hours to figure it out, where I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do. Because if not, this is going to be a disaster. Yeah. You know, so I had to just persevere. I had to make sure that it had to, it was going to get done. And I'm like, you know, I'm a woman in charge. Let me figure this out. <laughs> because everything is on me right now. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was just on the horn, just reaching out to all kind of people that I knew. And that's why it's always good to be nice to people, I feel. <laughs> because you never know when you might need their help. Mm -hmm. Because if you're always mean and rude to people, yeah. then they're going to be like, no, I remember that time she was like that to me. So, no, I'm not even going to help her out. Mm -hmm. So, it's always good to have good friends and people yeah. that you can call on when you definitely need support. I remember a story uh, when I was really young. My sister was trying to get into acting. And I remember she had come home from an audition and she said, you know, she's my older sister. So, she, obviously, she wants to pass on knowledge to me. She was like, be nice to everyone because you never know mm -hmm. where that person's going to be in a couple of yeah. years. She's like, if you're mean to the receptionist, yeah. like, she's like, if I go to an audition and I'm mean to the receptionist yeah. and I'm only nice to the people casting, yep. she's like, that girl's working there for a reason. Yep. She wants to move up. And later on, she might, she's like, exactly like you said, she's going to remember. And the receptionist is the first person you run into when you get through the doors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she could easily put your name to the side. And so, I mean, yes. you know, you definitely have to be nice to people and it don't matter what level they're on. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody had to start from the ground up anyway. So why would you treat this person differently just because you made it to the to a different level, you know? Definitely. Mm -hmm. 
What is, what, how much of networking is part of your job? Uh, very important, mm -hmm. you know, even dealing with like sponsors, um, media, because it all takes a team mm -hmm. to make it worthwhile, you know. So uh, networking with those who, because, uh, you know, I don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. So um, trusting myself to, um, I guess, not say handover, but the, the ideas around the Drew or how I wanted to grow. Mm -hmm. And networking is like so, so important because there's people out there that can actually help you. And if we just stay in this little box and we say, no, 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 we don't need help. We're okay, we got it. Then you, how are you gonna grow? Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to reach out to people and network and, and trust them with, with your ideas and um, see how, how far they could take it for you. So. Do you have advice on how to extend your network? Because I think that's a mm -hmm. lot of times what it is. It's a little bit intimidating sometimes. Mm -hmm. So you do have that community around you. Mm -hmm. Any advice for the ladies in the room on how you can kind of start to build your network at this age? It starts very young. I right? think when you hear build your network, like yeah. for me, I didn't really know what that meant too right. at that age. Just like build your network. What is that sounds so fancy? Mm -hmm. Network. Exactly. <laughs> build your network. It's intimidating. I it think is, it yeah. all it is is just talking to people, just reaching out. If it's something that you want to do and you see that person doing it, you just talk to them and see how you can get involved. If you don't speak up, then you're not going to get the response that you're looking for. So the worst thing I always told, I was told the worst thing someone could say is no. That's it. They can't hurt you. They're not going to touch you. So all they're going to say is no. Sorry, not this time. Okay, well, I'm going to go talk to somebody else. Or I'm going to follow back up with you in a couple months. Mm -hmm. And that has happened to me several times. And they say, no, not, we're not interested right now. And then I'll follow back up. And then after you keep following back up, then eventually you're going to, you know, get the response you're looking for. But if not, just go around them and go to someone else. Mm -hmm. So that, as far as with networking, that's really what it is. It's just a fancy word, but it, all this <laughs> is just talking to somebody. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can send out emails. You can DM now with DMs mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You never know if somebody might just open it up. Yeah. Uh, so don't be afraid to put yourself out there. It's scary, but you can do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, you know, Nike really is trying to redefine what sport means. Mm -hmm. What does sport mean to you? To uh, sport means to me, I want to say uh, it's definitely like a brotherhood, a sisterhood. Um, it's competition. It's getting people together and learning from one another. Teamwork, you know, building that camaraderie. That's what sport is to me. Um, but it could be, I've, I've had some of the best relationships through sport. Mm -hmm. um, I, when I started off playing, I started off playing volleyball, then basketball, just baseball. Wasn't that good. And then I finally found my niche with basketball. And I was like, okay, I like this. But then I, after high school, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't care to keep running. Like, I'm just not a runner. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm cool. I'm just going to go to school, but I don't need to continue. But mm -hmm. I've met some of the best relationships. I have some of the best friends from just being involved in sports because it makes you a part of something. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody wants to be a part of something. Why not be a part of sport? Mm -hmm. You know, and you get to work out and be fit, too. So <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, and it shows discipline too. Mm -hmm. And that's very, very important, especially with the young kids. You know, they definitely need discipline and guidance. And I feel like sports in all areas helps you out with those mm -hmm. things. We kind of touched on it a little bit earlier around working in a male-dominated field. Mm -hmm. um, question for you is, how has it changed over the last decade? Mm -hmm. Have you seen basketball evolve? I mean, we see it now yeah. with just everything in the media. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, females having a lot more of the focus over the past um, few years. Mm -hmm. How have you seen it kind of evolve on your uh, side as well? I, I mean, it's definitely grown from the times when I was like probably in middle school or high school when the WNBA was starting to come around. Um, there's so many women who are now bosses, like who are coaches. I mean, even in, I think in football, mm -hmm. you know, like there's a there's a football coach in the NFL, a woman, um, a woman, and even in um, in the NBA, like there's a a, a female coach that's trying to become a head coach right now. Like, to me, it's, uh, it's very empowering to see women and young girls really taking charge. If this is something they want to do, they say, okay, I'm going to do it, and I don't have to be behind the scenes anymore. Yeah. Are there any women that really inspire you or continue to inspire you? Because I know I'm pretty sure yeah. that there's someone who goes to the Drew League, they see you, uh -huh. and they see you in the position that you're in and how you take charge and make things happen. Yeah. But who is that for you? For me, I would say, I would say my mom. Right. Yeah, I would say my mom. Yeah, that's that's my ride right there. That's my ride <laughs> right there. So she's um, she's very inspiring. And um, I look for her to, you know, for any advice that I do. But I want to make sure at the Drew that I am having more women be present. Mm -hmm. so my whole table staff is, are women, except for our MC. Um, our videographer, excuse me, our photographer, our official photographer, Nikki, she's been in the game doing freelancing for, oh, like maybe eight or nine years. Mm -hmm. And she, and I wanted to make sure she was my lead photographer this year. So, um, and then all the women that are in our, on our media table, they're, you know, so it's definitely um, more women that are involved in sports and that are really controlling things on the back end too. And in the front end, now that you see it, so. I love that you mentioned that I was playing basketball, wasn't my thing. Yeah. And I, and I moved on because sometimes yeah. that can kind of be seen as, you know, not the best thing. I, I played sports very young, not good at all. Yeah. Put that out there um, and moved on. So yeah. I would love to hear even more from you on, is there anything else you can think of that you kind of said, hey, I, even within the Drew League, mm -hmm. like this was kind of what we wanted to do and you pivoted. Mm -hmm. You know, it made a change in, in how you kind of work through that. Because sometimes it can be seen as like, why'd you do that? Why'd you change mm -hmm. something? And as a commissioner, I'm sure yeah. there's things that... Yeah, that comes up. That come up that you have to make those yeah. kind of tough decisions. Yeah, I mean, everything is not going to go the way you want it to every time. Like, it's nothing's perfect. So you have to be able to adapt and, um, and to move on. It's like, okay, just in my head, always like this season for sure was like... I've always repeated in my head, I'm just going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. We're just going to figure it out. Like, and, and we figure it out. Like, it just happens, you know? So, and I think when it's meant to be, when it's something meant to be and it's for you, it's going to work out. Like, you don't need to stress about it. It's going it, to, because when you have a lot of people in your corner who are with you and want to see you be successful, 
they're going to make sure you don't fail, mm -hmm. you know. So you definitely pivot is like the number one thing that took <laughs> place this year. We was pivoting all over the place. So, but it, it's, it's one of those things like you just have to overcome it. And then when you look back years from now and you can say, I did that. Mm -hmm. And it made me a stronger person because I was able to do that, you know. So. I think a lot of people, like, they think when you work in the Drew League, you're working with so many different athletes. And then, like you said, there's yeah. that moment where Kobe came in yeah. and brought so much attention to it. What are some other memories that you have from some players that the girls might know? I remember, let me see. So Kobe was always special. Um, LeBron James came by. He just pulled up in his truck and just hopped out and like, okay, I'm ready to play. Same for KD, Kevin Durant. Um, he pulled up, came, like no security. Like these guys are just regular people. They're just tall, right? <laughs> so, um, and then he just came through, hey, I'm ready to play. Where's the locker room? We're like, everybody's like, is he really here right now? And he's just by himself. He had his gym bag and his shoes. <laughs> but um, as far as like really cool memories, um, I mean, it's been so many. We're talking about years. Mm -hmm. But uh, when we, I want to say when we had the Goodman League come down years ago, it was like a battle of the cities from like Washington, D.C. versus L.A. So all of L.A. came out mm -hmm. and was just really putting it on for the city and rooting for the Drew and chanting and stuff like that. And it was like KD, it was John Wall, it was James Harden. Like all those guys came out and it was really fun. So that was one of my favorite memories. Well, can you go over your story again? Cause I think Kobe is LA, yeah. he's ours. Mm -hmm. And um, I think people, I've heard so many amazing stories of people and their interactions with him. Yeah. Um, what can you share with the girls of your interaction with Kobe? My interaction with Kobe, I was so nervous. So, okay, I had to make a speech in front of all these people and I'm right in front of him and his, his daughter, rest in peace, they were right there. And I'm speaking and I don't even know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I'm looking dead at him and I'm just like filled with all these emotions. And then um, he was just smiling and then he came and then I had him come up um, to take a picture with all the guys. And he was just, I just remember his, his smile. He was just so genuine, just like, you know, what you guys are doing and just keep going. Like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. you know? But he was just a, such a friendly guy. But he will always be missed. Always. Mm -hmm. It's a, a different mentality, too, um, from an athlete, especially an athlete like Kobe. But for the other players who don't have the big name there, yeah. what, what kind of things do you experience with these other athletes? With the other athletes, I'll, I mean, they're just... They're just like us. I mean, they want that exposure as well. They want to come to the Drew to um, to get better. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really what they, you know, they want to come and play against some competition that they normally wouldn't play against. Because a lot of the guys that we have are pro-like guys, mm -hmm. right? They're pros, but something may have happened, like an injury. One injury away from, you know, yeah. can just do so much damage to where it can just end your career. That's why it's always good to have a B plan, mm. right? Don't just focus on A plan. I want to do this one thing because always have other plans, you know, yeah. because that one plan may not work out for you. So these guys have come along with injuries, maybe a situation where they couldn't, you know, advance their career, maybe an agent, whatever the case may be, didn't go to right school, maybe something happened and they come to the Drew, and they're just as talented. They just didn't make it to the NBA. Mm -hmm. So these NBA guys who made it 
because it's only like, what, maybe a one, two percent? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so everybody's not going to make it yeah. to the NBA. But there's so many different options now overseas, you know, the D League, things like that. Mm-hmm. So you can coach, you can train, you can be a referee. It's not just what happens inside the mm-hmm. game, you know, within those four. Uh, four corners yeah. of the gym, of, of the of the court. Like there's so many different things that you can do mm-hmm. to be a part of the game still. Yeah. So yeah, they come back. Some of them get exposed. Some just don't do so well. Yeah. They may not come back, <laughs> you know, but our crowd just gives it to them. Mm-hmm. Just like, hey, you gotta come and show up. Like you in the hood now. Like yeah. you're not in Hollywood, you're not downtown, you're not in the Staples Center where people are talking and you can't really hear it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's right there on top of you. Like, oh. let's see what you got. That made me a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a different kind of pressure for sure. But I love that you mentioned that you don't have to necessarily. So I love music. Love, love music. I cannot sing for the life of me. I cannot play an instrument. So I was like, I want to find a way I can be around music every day, but not necessarily be you know, mm-hmm. Jennifer Lopez, Beyonce. <laughs> like, right, right, right. What is it that I can yeah. do? Um, and it seems that you found also something within the Drew League. Mm-hmm. What, it, what do you love about the Drew League? What I love is just seeing everybody there that enjoys what we do. I love seeing the community come out and support us. Mm-hmm. I love seeing the OGs in the corner who've been there since the 70s. And then they brought their kids and their grandkids. And then we, it's just a family dynamic. So... Just seeing that um, is it. It brings a lot of joy to me, mm-hmm. you know. And then seeing that these guys in front of me, I've seen people get contracts, scholarships, right on the dime. Like it might be a scout, might be a coach sitting in the stands, and they like that guy, and they might offer them a deal. Yeah. And I've seen that happen. So I, I that gives me a lot of joy to see that we're we're putting this platform together. And they're getting um, the attention that they need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting because that's really cool to see that you watch dreams come true Mm -hmm. in some cases at the Drew. Right. So I'm curious as to, like, what your dream for the Drew is. Like, as it continues to evolve, where do you see it? Um, Oh, my And you're, like, pie in the sky. Like, this is what I would love to see it be. Well, I would love for us to have our own facility. <laughs> That's number yeah. one, because we could do so much with that. We can have our women's, because we have a women's league, too. Mm-hmm. We could have our women's league, our kids' camps, our kids' league. Like, we could do so much if we had our own home. But it's uh, King Drew has been very good to us so far, So, and I'm praying that that happens. Mm-hmm. But really, um, globe, I mean, we're global right now. We're just trying to expand it um, further. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I want to make sure that the Drew is known everywhere. And we have, like I said, the women's, the kids, but this is a year-round thing for us. This is not just a summer league. This is mm-hmm. this is year-round, so it's very special. It's a brand, so we're just trying to increase that notoriety as much as we can each year. Mm-hmm. Why is it important to make sure that the Drew League stays locally yeah. where it is as well? Because a lot of times you do see people, they yeah. get to a certain level, and it's... Peace yeah, out. and they leave. And they leave. Yeah, I mean, it's so important for us because, like, I mean, my family, my father and my mom, they still live in Watts. Mm-hmm. They still live there. They're just like, you know what, we still have a lot of work to do, so we're going to stay here. You know, the Drew, we don't want to move it anywhere. And so that's why it's so important to stay in, in, on that side of town or in the South L.A. area mm-hmm. in particular, just because there's not that many 
opportunities in, or positive things going on. Every time you see the news, there's something negative. Mm-hmm. Um, the newspaper is something negative. So when you when you have that depiction around that particular area, it's you know we want to make sure that it's a positive vessel. You know we we call ourselves the proud jewel of the East Side mm-hmm. because um, because we just we we want to give those opportunities for our kids, our mm-hmm. community, and want them to be proud of this. So that's why we keep staying in the same neighborhood that we're in because it's important to keep giving back. We don't charge a dime. Our snack bar, everything is less than $6, you know? Nice. You go to Staples Center, you're paying $14 for water. So, you know, like, we know our community and we know it's like, no, it's let the kids come and enjoy. Let the moms drop their kids off and let them, and they know that they're in a safe environment up there because there's plenty of men, plenty of women who are doing great things and they, they, they're going to watch them. So, <laughs> you know, they become like family, like, where are your mom at today? <laughs> so uh, we, we got them, you know. Was there something ever that really was the moment that you realized how important your community was to you? Was there some, say, a moment that was like that aha moment of like, I need to give back to my community. I want to give back to my community where, like we mentioned, sometimes people just leave or they don't want to take that pressure on themselves Mm -hmm. to continue doing good work. Yeah. I mean, once I started noticing that um, people people started coming out from all over, giving back to us and and because we have a foundation. Mm -hmm. So when I started seeing like, hey, what you guys need? we got this going on. We could drop this off. Like, and we just want to make sure we gave back to our, to our kids. So, you know, we're doing toy drives, turkey drives, uh, backpack giveaways, mm-hmm. um, free trips to different places, the, the Laker game, the Dodger game, you know, um, even helping families financially if something happens with them as far as the rent, um, uh, something they can't pay for school, scholarships, things like that. So, we were like, okay, we got to keep this going. Mm-hmm. You know, so. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. All right, guys, it's your turn to ask a question. Does anyone have a question that they would like to ask? You had questions well, last time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't be shy. I know, they're always so shy. <laughs> it's okay. Because you, you always got the good question. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, do any of you guys play sports? Oh, oh nice. Okay. But I'm trying off okay. If you learn how to play, <laughs> yeah. are you doing anything right now to? I know how to dribble. Okay. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, you can always, you know, go to your local parks. Um, if, there, if you need some help with that, let me know. Like, there's trainers out there that are always giving back. So you always start off, I think everybody started off at a park outdoors, mm-hmm. you know, like outside. That's where you learn. Um, but if you need some help with that, what school do you go to? I go to University High School. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's out there a little bit. But that's okay. Trainers go everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. But... If you're really interested in basketball, I say try it out and see if you like it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I do. You have a question. I knew it. Um, Has there been a moment where you felt like there was like a lot of pressure going on, and there was this one thing you knew you could reach to, like maybe a person or a thing you could reach to, and you just get back on your feet, knowing that this is something that you want. Say the last part. Like. 
moment where you were so overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. You just knew the thing or person you reached out to just get off on your feet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the pressure is thick sometimes, you know, especially being a woman. Um, and you're asking pretty much those moments what I do. Uh, what I do to decompress, um, I light my candles, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I light my candles. Um, I watch a good show. Um, I do some, I, it's called self-care. So I do something that makes me feel good, right? And it's okay to do something that makes you feel good because sometimes, as, especially girls, we're under a lot of pressure, right? At school, there's a lot of pressure on us to make good grades, to be, a right, be around the right crowd, to, you know, for our parents, we got to put that together, the boys, it's all kind of stuff, right? But sometimes you got to take a step back and say, look, I'm not with all that right now. I'm going to do something for myself, and it's okay. Whatever that might be, it might be just taking a walk, exercising, reading a book. Um, but for me, you know, I talk to a special someone who I can trust with that information, and that really makes me feel good to vent out. Yeah, so that's what I do. Thank you. You're welcome. Anyone else? Anyone else? Question? Um, you mentioned that you gave up your career to come back. Do you ever regret that decision? I, I do what now? I'm sorry. You gave up your career, career to help you back. Do you ever yeah. regret that decision? No. This is something I was supposed to do. And if it's helping my family, then I'm I'm with it. Because I'll be blessed in other factors um, by just helping my family out when I know that it needs to be done. I didn't want that to fall apart. So if I was the one to pick it up, then I'm the one to be, I'm, I'm the one for the job. So, and I feel like that is the fact at this point. I had to think about it too at one point. Like, should I go back doing what I was supposed to do? And then it always, the Drew just kept drawing me in, you know. So if it draws you in, then that's how you know that's what you're supposed to be doing in life. And so I have no regrets on that decision at all. And plus it's better too, it's fun. <laughs> I, I don't want to be doing what I was intending on doing. Now I'm okay with that. <laughs> Good question. Good question, yeah. It's still early in the morning. Huh? It's early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's early. <laughs> What advice would you give your, if you knew, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, wow. Great question. I would, I would tell my younger self that just go with the flow. Don't stress the small things. Mm -hmm. And I used to stress the small things. And um, everything is going to be okay. You know. Pray and let it go. That's it. <laughs> really, just let it go. You know, that's what I would tell my young self. Right. Yeah. Well, any last questions? Yeah. I love how everyone looks away really quickly. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> well, we yeah. are so honored that you are here and you shared your story with us. Boss lady right here. I love that you are such an inspiration for a lot of women because again, there's times you're gonna step into a room and it's so male dominated, mm -hmm. but you are changing it. You're getting to see the change as well. And I just wanna say thank you for coming on for her. Yeah, no, thank you guys, this was fun. And now we're gonna do a little demonstration.